Why choose a Sleep Number Smart Bed? Because no two people sleep the same. Only the Sleep Number Smart Bed lets you each choose your individual firmness and comfort your Sleep Number setting. The Climate 360 Smart Bed is so smart, it actively cools or warms up to 13 degrees on either side for your ideal sleep temperature. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number Special Edition Smart Bed, plus free home delivery when you add an adjustable base. Ends Monday. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. To find a store near you, visit sleepnumber.com. You know, when they're whining or they're getting into something, like, my brain doesn't work then. It doesn't function. When I have a kid whining at me, I can't think of, like, oh, here, let me go get this fun craft for you to do. So instead, I kind of made this list where I can pull ideas so that way in those moments, I'm not feeling like, oh, what am I going to come up with that they can do? Instead, it's already I've already thought of it, and I just have to implement it. Hello, and welcome to the Parentologist Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Kim. The Parentologist Podcast is a show about everything parenting with a therapeutic twist. I have a doctor in psychology and am a licensed marriage and family therapist, a registered play therapist, university professor, writer, and mom of two. Each episode of the Parentologist Podcast focuses on a variety of topics related to parenting, family, children, and mental health. I'm glad you're here. On today's episode, we have my friend, Brittany Shives, who is a mom of four, and she's also a former public school teacher who has combined her love for teaching and her love for her own children to create a learning environment for her kids in which they can become passionate learners. She is a lover of books, the beach, and all things homeschooling, which is what we're going to be talking about mostly today. And I'm so excited to have you here, Brittany. Thanks for coming on the show. I'm so excited to be here. Yay. Thank you. Well, like I said... Brittany is a friend of mine. We have known each other for, wow, almost nine years, probably, maybe eight or nine years. And Brittany is seriously probably the one of the best moms I've ever known in my life. She is just a phenomenal mom. She's a phenomenal friend. Just to share a little bit of background in case anyone who's listening wants to know, Brittany and I actually met when we took our firstborns to a music class when they were about one years old. And we just hit it off and we've just been friends since, which has been amazing. And I just, you know, obviously we've been really close over the years and I've, you know, just trust her with my kids more than anyone else really. So when I was pregnant with my son, my second born, my eldest actually stayed at Brittany's house while I was in the hospital, which was amazing. And then when I had to have my second round of breast cancer surgery, I asked Brittany to to help um, in any way she could. And she was amazing enough to pretty much drop what she was doing and drive me all the way up to San Francisco, take me to my surgeries, take care of me while I was recovering and drive me all the way back home. Uh, so just to give you an idea of a glimpse of what kind of human being she is, like I said, she's an amazing friend and she's an amazing mom and she is just a guru at homeschooling, which is what we're going to talk about today. So uh, I know I probably embarrassed you, Brittany, but yeah, you... you're going to make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> um, you just, you have so many great ideas and I just, I, I glean from the the activities and the things that you do with your kids like you always have them active you always have them busy doing things uh and I just I always just really admire that about you so what I wanted you to do on the show today was just really share your tips and tricks and homeschooling hacks for other parents out there that might be at the beginning stages of that they might be thinking about it and haven't done it yet or maybe they're there and they want to shift gears a little bit and maybe switch up curriculum or you know whatever it is and I just know you have some great tips that you know we can talk about today so let's get started 
So if a parent is considering homeschooling, where do you think they should start? What's the first step? Well, I know you have followers probably all over. So I think the first thing is to make sure that they know every state differs kind of of what the rules are, the different laws, how you file, um, what, what age you file at, you know, it's all different. So I think first thing, just check that if you're new starting out to make sure, you know, you do everything you need to, to make sure it's legal, <laughs> I guess. Right, sure, true. <laughs> um, and then I think starting to do some research of just you know, what's your style? There's so many different ways to homeschool. There's some people who just kind of replicate school at home. There's some people who don't ever open a workbook. And so there's so many different styles and you kind of have to see like what will work best for you, what will work best for your kids, um, because you want it to be something that's enjoyable for both. Otherwise, you know, you'll burn out really quick. So I would just say to um, do some research, kind of find out what your style might be, what your kids learning style, what their strengths are, um, and then just kind of go from there of figuring out what curriculum, you know, might work best starting out. So question, I know you're a mom of four and I know only two right now are at school age. You have some little ones at home too. And your two, uh, are they on the same curriculum or are they on different curriculum? Because I'm thinking, what if there's a family out there that has multiple kids at home as well? And, you know, each child's a little different, even in the same household, different personality, different temperament, different learning styles. So what would you suggest to a family with multiples that that may have different learning styles? Is there a curriculum or curriculums out there that are better for that? Or do you have to pick two completely different style curriculums to help those two children? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think it depends um, on a couple things, you know, how my girls are really close in age. They're just one grade apart. So it's really easy for me to combine things. Um, but honestly, at any age difference, really, I would say combine as much as you possibly can, especially science, social studies, just to save yourself the work. Um, there's no reason why, you know, if fourth grade here has to learn California history, if you have a first grader, they can do California history. It doesn't have to be the exact order because you're going to, that's going to be a lot of work to have to do that, so many subjects with so many different kids. So I would say first combine everything you can. Um, now that being said, my girls learn differently. So we do do some things. I have different math curriculum for them. You know, one is more hands-on and one is more worksheet, um, that kind of thing. So I think, um, it just really depends on your kid, and I think it depends on uh, maybe their learning styles, but I think you can definitely find curriculum. One that I really like that I just started using, it's called Gather Round, and she actually designs it. It's one unit, and you can use it for – she has preschool age all the way up to high school. So you order whatever stage or age that your child's at, but it's the same subject and you can go through it. So that's a great one. Um, there's a bunch that just kind of let you combine those subjects and you can kind of use for all of your kids at once, which is great. Wow. That is great. Now I know, I don't, I don't know if you're knowing you were going to be sharing about this today, but I know, didn't you just finish a Disney curriculum? Yes. Okay. Can you share Cause I'm a huge Disney mom too, yeah. but share a little bit about what that was like, or how did you pick that type of theme for your yeah. school year last year? Well, so I actually had that in my notes to talk about because we had so much fun last year doing that, but, um, 
Yeah. So my husband is a public school teacher. He was home doing virtual learning for the past year. Um, we added two kids to our family in 11 months. He went back to work. It was kind of crazy. And so I thought, you know what? Let's just do something fun. We were planning a family trip to Disney World. And I thought, you know what? What if we made a Disney curriculum? And so he's a math teacher. I asked him if he would mind making the math curriculum, which he did an amazing job. And then I kind of did everything else. But every month we just did a different Disney movie. And then so, for example, Finding Nemo, we learned about the ocean in Australia. Um, We did Ratatouille and they all had their own restaurant that they ran and oh wow and, that's so cool it was, so it was so much fun and again you know that might be a little daunting for people who are just starting out but for us just because we both have a you know teaching background writing curriculum is not as scary for us um but probably people who are just starting out that might sound a little scary but I promise it was it wasn't too bad um but we just had so much fun and I think following your kids' interests. Like my girls are not going to be interested in Disney forever. I, well, I don't know. I still, I still yeah, I'm like, I still am, but I know what you mean. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, why not? I think following your kids' interests is what, if you're, if a kid is not interested in something, they're not going to learn it. So if you can, the more you can kind of go towards their interests, I think the more beneficial it's going to be for everyone. Right. Exactly. I 100% agree with that. And I think that's what I love about your teaching style is that you're so hands-on, like you do a lot of experiential type uh, activities, uh, you do a lot of crafts, you incorporate a movie and then take it and like, you know, um, make it into, uh, you know, making a, a restaurant or, you know, doing certain other things. And now was the frog that you dissected, the, did you watch Princess and the Frog? Yes. Oh, you did. <laughs> Which I, after, after just hit me. dissecting a frog after watching Princess and the Frog, I don't know. Was, that was a little more intense than I had anticipated, but it was fun. And I think they'll remember that for a long time. That's so funny. I, it just hit me because I, I remember for anyone who's listening right now who, um, you know, is, is following along with this conversation, I was at Brittany's house, I don't know, a couple months back, and it was the day that the frogs arrived in the mail that you had ordered for your frog dissection day and you know we're all there her husband and me and Brittany and her kids and and my kids were there and we open up this box and there's this, this frog inside and it had the smell and you know I wasn't there for the dissection day thank goodness I, I did that once and I said I would never do it again so um but but I think that's really cool I guess that's just what I'm saying is that you know, the way you make learning fun, the way you make it hands-on, that kinesthetic type learning that a lot of kids really love. I know I'm I'm a kinesthetic learner as well. Like I love hands-on experiential because that's how I learn. I, I'm not an auditory processor learner. Yeah. Um, I can be a visual learner, but when I do something with my own hands and actually actively you know, um, participate in it. Yes. That's how it retains. Like that's how I remember doing that. So, yeah. um, so, so you created a lot of that curriculum on your own. That wasn't anything that you bought at a store or ordered online. You really just took each movie or each theme and then yeah. incorporated math and history and activities around yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you can, you can do whatever you, like I supplemented with some math curriculum. Um, I supplemented with some reading, like phonics curriculum. So, I mean, it, you can kind of pick and choose what you need. You know, if you have a child who loves math, then let them do math. 
you know, let them do math for half the day. If that's something that they enjoy, play games, read books. Like those are the things that you can do that don't take a lot of creativity or, you know, if you, I can see people thinking like, well, I'm not that creative or I don't have that kind of time. And it doesn't have to be like that. I mean, um, there's box curriculum that you can buy. And I do suggest for people who are just starting out to do that because it takes a lot of, you know, if you have some fear um, or you're lacking some confidence, maybe going into it, the box curriculum, it'll tell you exactly what to say. It'll tell you what to do on each day, what to do when, for how long. And so that can really give you a boost in confidence when you're just starting out. And then, you know, as you go down the line a few years later, you might feel more comfortable kind of branching out. But starting out, it's a great place. There's some really good ones that include every, you buy one set and you get everything you need. Um, now that being said, <laughs> there's so many out there now that it can get kind of overwhelming. Um, and some of them can be pretty pricey. And I would not recommend you know, spending a ton of money when you're just starting out because you don't really know what you're going to like, what your kids are going to like, and you don't want to drop all this money and then have it not really be the right fit. Um, so if you can find something maybe secondhand or just maybe even like one of the um, elements of it, order that and just see like, is this even our style? Do we even enjoy this before you go out and kind of buy the entire set? Um, because it can get pricey. And again, you could not like it, but other people could. And that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. It just might be not a right, you know, not the right fit for your family. True. And that's really good advice, actually, uh, because some of the ones maybe aren't even returnable after that, especially if they've been used or worksheets been torn out, things like that. So great advice. Now, let me ask you about this and then we'll go back to, you know, curriculum and how to get funding and then some other activities that I want to ask you about. But I want to I want to kind of go off go off the charts a little bit and just I wonder how or what advice you can give to others about how to do homeschooling. Let's say in, in your particular case with your two eldest, when you have a toddler and an infant at home, because <laughs> um, there's probably lots of moms out there listening right now or lots of parents out there listening that are trying to juggle different things at once. So how were you able to prioritize and help your oldest two learn and keep up with their curriculum, but then also take care of a toddler and an infant at the same time. That's, that seems like a lot. So how did you do it? What's your secret? That that is an amazing question that I don't really feel like I have um, the answer to. Uh, I can tell you a few things that I've tried, um, but it honestly is something that every day we're kind of working towards and doing the best we can. Um, Last year, it worked out really well. The boys napped at the same time. So we called it nap schooling and we just did the bulk of our schoolwork while they were sleeping. Um, that is kind of my goal going into this year also. But again, um, I think including them in it as much as you can, uh, a toddler, I mean, <laughs> I can't turn my head for a second before he's getting into something. So that's a bit um, of a challenge. So honestly, I'm still trying to figure that out. But I will say, if you can take advantage of nap time or even a quiet time um, to kind of focus with some of the older ones, include them as much as you can. Um, you know, even if you think, oh, they won't understand this book that we're reading. They might surprise you. Just let them listen to it. Let them, you know, play with some blocks or something while you're reading. Um, I had I made a list this year of just 
because one of my tips, actually, I don't know if you want me to share some tips right now, but one thing um, is just to plan because, you know, when they're whining or they're getting into something like my brain doesn't work then. It doesn't function. When I have a kid whining at me, I can't think of like, oh, here, let me go get this fun craft for you to do. So instead, I kind of made this list where I can pull ideas. So that way in those moments, I'm not feeling like, oh, what am I going to come up with that they can do? Instead, it's already I've already thought of it and I just have to implement it. So that's wow. easier for me uh, when I already have thought it through, then it's similar kind of, I guess, like for people who meal plan, you know, if you, you know, it's five o'clock and everyone's starving. If you already wrote down what you're planning to make that night, it's much easier than just opening your pantry and being like, what should we make? You know, so whining, it's much easier to just go to a list and be like, oh, okay, let's do blocks or let's make a racetrack for your cars. And then even if it just buys you a little bit of time, um, and honestly, the girls luckily are fairly independent at this point. Um, so I, I just have some time where I tell them to save any of the harder things that they need my help with for a time where maybe the boys are sleeping or playing nicely. Like, okay, now let's sit down and go over that problem, you know, that you didn't understand. Right. So, but no expert over here still. Yeah. <laughs> in my eyes, you are. Sometimes I'm just in awe of what you manage and what you do. And, you know, and I, I think just as parents, I mean, I think that's a great point to also bring up is that we're all just kind of trying to navigate it day to day. And, you know, some of it's trial and error and figuring out what you said, like, works best for the family. But I think what's good with homeschooling is that you have that flexibility and that freedom to to kind of sprinkle it in throughout the day yeah. of when it works. Yeah. And when it's not, you don't have the pressure to have to get it done like you would in a normal school day. I think some people have the notion or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the thought that, you know, school has to go from 8, 9 a.m. to 3 p.m. or something yeah. like that. With homeschooling, it, it's not like that. You can maybe do a half hour in the morning, mm-hmm. take a two-hour break, go to the dentist or do whatever you have to do, uh, go to the park, go play, and then come back and maybe do another half hour, 45 minutes or whatever the case is, right? Is that what your experience yeah. is? Yep. And so for us, you know, I'm not a very good morning person, so I don't do well first thing in the morning starting out. Um, usually that's the time that they all want to play. And so I can get a few things done. So it's not a great time for us to start doing some schoolwork. Um, but this year, my plan, the girls are a little more independent, is to kind of have a list of things that they need to do. And they can kind of choose when they want to work on it. And so they have a little more flexibility themselves to kind of manage that time. And, you know, when am I going to get this done? Um, also, you know, my husband, before he goes to work in the morning, um, I'm having him do some math with my daughters before they go, just so that way, you know, they can have some daddy time, but also I get a break. I don't really have to teach math then if he does it with them. Before That's so smart to get him involved. I love that. <laughs> family, it's got to be a family. I mean, everyone, you, if you want to do this, you've got to have everyone on board because it's a, it's a lot and it's, you're kind of going against the grain a little bit. So it's, it's going to be even harder if everyone's kind of not on the same page. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I know you were alluding that you have more tips and I want to hear that, but we're going to take a really quick break first. Hi, I'm Dr. Kim, the parentologist. As a wife, mom, therapist, and all-around juggler like most of you, I lead a hectic life, and sometimes that means indulging in foods on the go that my stomach doesn't always agree with. 
Thankfully, Pepto-Bismol provides me fast and effective relief for all kinds of upset stomachs. Having a little too many guilty pleasures at a family barbecue or birthday celebration may lead to indigestion or heartburn, so I always keep Pepto on hand to get fast relief when I need it the most. Pepto-Bismol, use as directed and keep out of reach of children. Okay, so before we get to your tips, Brittany, I want to ask you a little bit about funding. Um, I know here in California, and I want you to explain it in more detail, that there is some type of funding that you can get, um, or sometimes you sign up through a, let's say, charter school or something of the sort, because um, I wanted to ask, how do you pay for some of these field trips, or how do you pay for some of this curriculum, or is there help out there that parents can get? Yes. So California is great for this. Um, I'm not too familiar with any other states, but California allows you to homeschool through some charter programs, some charter schools. Um, so right now we homeschool through a charter school and every year we get a certain amount of money to spend towards extracurriculars. So the girls take piano lessons, they've done horseback riding, art lessons, um, gymnastics, voice lessons, um, and we can get art supplies, games, books, curriculum. The only stipulation, obviously, because it's a public charter, nothing can be religious based. Um, and everything, you know, that we buy that is not consu a consumable will have to be returned if we ever withdraw from the school or when they graduate or so um, it's not a lot of the things that we get are not ours. It's similar to public school, they get a textbook at the end of the year, they give it back. Um, so, but it's a, it's a great option in California. I'm so thankful that we have it because it's given my kids a lot more opportunities and, you know, we probably would be able to afford. Um, it's also really nice just for the, I guess, like bookkeeping aspect of it. They record all the attendance. Um, they give them a report card at the end of the year. So if we ever wanted to put them into public school, they would have, you know, paperwork to go along with it of grades that they've gotten test scores that they've had. We do take, do testing. Um, and just like the, you know, the attendance. So the legal aspect to make sure like our kids are in school. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been a great option and we just meet with our teacher once a month and she approves the money that we spend and we kind of show her what we're working on. So yeah, I feel really lucky that California has that option, um, because it's been a huge blessing to us. Absolutely. And it just lends for that extra support where you don't mm -hmm. feel like you're just doing yeah. it on your own. You have other people because I've talked to other homeschooling moms in different states. Yeah. And it's interesting and fascinating how different it is in different oh, states okay. where I'll ask, well, how do you keep track of attendance? And they tell me it's just based on the honor system. Yes. Or how do you track their progress? How do you, like, do you take tests and how do you give them a grade? And one mom said, I don't even give them grades. I don't believe in that, which is fine. I'm not, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just so different in different states and, you know, in, in um, different um uh, requirements and, yes. you know, what works for different families, even within yeah. those states. So, um, but I, I like, I, I'm, maybe it's my type A type personality, but I like having yes. things kind of planned out. I like having a, a system where yes. the, all of that's taken care of and I don't necessarily have to be the one to do it. <laughs> right. Yeah, because it is a little bit of a learning curve to figure out how you file and you can do it. And I have friends, you know, here in California who choose to still homeschool independently and file every year. And so it's doable. It just doesn't sound that fun to me. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I would rather focus on the, start, the stuff that I like than, you know, 
that aspect. <laughs> exactly. Well, speaking of stuff that you like, actually, it leads into my next question, because I know you have been really good at the socialization aspect of you know, your child's lives, you know, because I, I do know, again, some other homeschooling moms and they don't do a lot of those extracurriculars. They're not in like piano class or horse, horseback riding or anything yeah. like that. Um, different group activities and things like that. I know you've even done some small groups in the past of other homeschooling moms and kind of brought them all together for some socialization. I think there's a lot of times that parents that homeschool focus on the academics and not so much the socialization. And then those kids, you know, maybe are lacking some communication, some social skills and things like that. So I wanted to ask you, how do you make sure that your kids get adequate socialization with their peers? Yeah. So, I mean, this is kind of, for me, like a two part. Um, One is, I think it's really important to think of homeschool, not so much as the home part, I guess. Um, We my rule has always been, even with little ones, is we have to leave the house every day. We can't be home, you know, all day long, every day. I would go crazy. That's not my personality at all. So, and again, I think some people maybe who homeschool and don't get that social socialization uh, is maybe just a personality thing that they have also where they don't really like to be out around others. So then they just don't. Um, For me, we have to be out of the house. So even if that's just going to the grocery store or the park or the library, like every day we're going somewhere. Um, So that's one aspect of just like getting out of the house. The other thing is just to be involved and have like a community around you. So that way there's some intentional time of your kids actually being able to form relationships, not just, oh, we're seeing other humans out at the store, but no, we're fostering these relationships of kids our age or younger or older. Um, so we, I've made it a priority, you know, to be in some groups and there are so many different ones available. So again, it's kind of back to what I said initially to figure out maybe your why of why you would want to be in a group, because there are some groups that are specifically for academics, but obviously there's that social aspect too. Um, So like moms will take turns teaching subjects. There's other groups that just go for hikes every week. Um, There's some groups that just go on different field trips. I mean, you can find a group for all different things. So I would just say, think of what your purpose would be. If it's just, hey, we wanna have friends with other people who homeschool, then maybe go to the park or the library or something. But if maybe you wanna go on a hike every week and it would be more doable to do that with other people, then look for a group that would do something like that. So kind of figure out, you know, what do you like to do and see if you can find other people. And if you can't, then you know what I would say, start your own. Yes. (laughs) I don't know. Back in the day, you didn't mention this part, but we used to be in toddler book club together. (laughs) I had this idea to do toddler book club when our kids were so little. And I I thought it would be so fun. And I think when we started out, it was like me and you and one other person. But then, I mean, after two years, I mean, we were like practically turning people away. We had like 20 families that were, you know, so I think you can start it out. And even if it's just you and one other person, like who cares, start there. And I'm also starting your own groups to get what you want. You know, if you want a group that's going to go on a hike every week, then start that. And hopefully, you know, it'll grow if you want it to grow. So exactly. And if they need a little bit of boost to meet people, um, there's so many apps out there uh, that 
allows you to do the different yes. meetups and things like that. So yeah. I think, you know, people can just Google those, but, um, but it's, you know, a hundred percent think, yeah, if there's not one out there or maybe one that fits your personality or style yeah. or, you know, the same age group of your, of your kids or things like that, then like you said, just start your own. That's fantastic yeah. advice. And yes, I miss toddler book club. We should do like a <laughs> elementary book club or something. I don't know, but th- those were, those were such fun. Hey, times. don't give me ideas like that. I'll, I'll... I, know. <laughs> I, know. I know more things for us to put on our plate. Okay, so let's go back to some of your best homeschool hacks and tips. Uh, I know you gave us one earlier, but any others that you can think of that we haven't talked about yet um, that you want to share today? Okay, so my first tip, you know, is just to plan and then seriously plan some more because the more you plan, even if you never use it, it's just so nice to have on like a rough day. You know, if your kids are having a great day, you don't need to stop them to do some craft or activity. Let them keep playing. But on those days where you need something, you have that list or you have some ideas um, and some maybe some supplies that you can make. That's my second thing, which I, I'm kind of combining the two. But make everything accessible. Like if you want your kids to do art projects, if they're shoved away in a cupboard, like it's never going to happen. Um, it has to be accessible. I think if you can put stuff in a place that, you know, for me is toddler friendly, but also, you know, I don't want my one-year-old getting all the paint out, but I also want my other kids to be able to access it without having to like dig through things. And like, where is that marker again? Where, you know, they're, that's going to, they're going to lose their steam really quickly. Um, so I think just having that kind of stuff accessible to have some ideas kind of in your back pocket. So that way when, you know, something comes up that you're ready, um, especially for little ones. Like I always keep a bin and just do different sensory things in there and then I'll put it away and then take it back out and switch it out. And it's just something that can kill some time. Um, my other tip is always just add water. If you can it put them with any, give them a cup of water, let them paint with water. I mean, even my bigger kids still think that kind of stuff is fun. You know, on the worst day, like everyone's taking a bath in the middle of the day. Like it, it kills some time, but it also, I think just changes a lot of attitudes. Um, but for the older ones, I think if you can, um, honestly, making an art table. I had that for a while before we had our little ones because now that would be a disaster. Um, but if it works for your family, like just leave a table in your home set up with art supplies and they might not use it one day, but the next day they might stay there all day. So if things are out and they can see, um, that's going to make a huge difference because if it's all messy or kind of put further back in the pantry, no one, including you, is going to want to get that out and have to you know, deal with all of that. So you want it to be as accessible as you can um, let's see. I think another great thing, I don't know if this is a well-known idea or if it's just a homeschooling thing, but, um, it's called strewing. Have you ever heard of that? No, no. What is that? Oh, it's, it sounds very fancy, but it's not, but basically, and I'm sure you've actually probably even done it as a parent, but let's say there's some books or there's something that you want your kids to be interested in. So you just kind of lay it around the house. You strew it and let them discover it. You don't say like, oh, hey, did you see the new book I got for you? Or, hey, did you see that new math game? Like, you don't say anything. You just kind of set it out. And then maybe even you sit down and start, if it's a art thing, you start doing it. Or if it's a book, you start flipping through it and just kind of leave it out and let them on their own, kind of pick it up and see what they think. Um, but it's just a great way to kind of get 
things, a book that they might not normally pick up or something that they might not normally do. But if it's sitting around, you know, they might not even look twice at it or they might look at it all day long. You never know. So again, it's super easy, fast. It doesn't take a lot of time. You just kind of throw it out there and see what they think. Um, it's similar. I'm sure as a play therapist, you've heard of like an invitation to play Yes. Um, when they're younger. It's similar to that, yes. but more a little geared towards older kids, but just kind of in the morning, having something set out on the kitchen table. So when they come down, you know, that's something that they can do. I love that. I love that. Yeah, I'm so going to start doing that. Yeah, it's fun. And it seriously takes no time. Five minutes before you go to bed, grab something, throw it on the, you know, coffee table and just see what happens the next day. And that's my other rule and has been for a long time is I never, I never do a craft or activity that takes me longer to prep than I think my kids will participate in, if that makes sense. So I'm up all night, like cutting these little circles, you know, (laughs) for two hours and then they play with it or they do the art project for like five minutes and they're like, we don't like this, you know, right. so everything, which is, I think better anyways, of just letting it be kind of open-ended. Um, not these like cookie cutter projects where you want it to look, I mean, sometimes you can do that, but for the most part, I think open-ended is better. Um, I think another great thing, and this is a little more homeschool specific, but I think anyone, honestly, even if your kids are in public school, every month or so, do a different unit study. So pick something your kids are interested in. It could be as simple as Disney or Marvel, or I mean, it could be anything, frogs, dolphins, like whatever they're kind of currently interested in and just go to the library, get a ton of books on it. Maybe find a movie that is about that. Um, go on Pinterest, you know, don't reinvent the wheel. If you, if your kid is all of a sudden obsessed with frogs, order from Amazon and dissect a rock. Um, (laughs) But seriously, there's people who are way smarter than me on Pinterest who have come up with all, you could type in frog crafts. And there's like a frog sensory bin or like a frog snack that you can make out of pretzels and grapes or something. (laughs) You just pick a couple and then do those and then don't, you know, waste two hours scrolling through Pinterest trying to make the perfect thing. Just choose a few you think your kids would like. And again, you know, that are minimal prep because there's nothing worse than spending hours prepping this craft and having your kids be over it in two minutes. I mean, exactly. Worse. You're like, no, please <laughs> keep playing this. Like, and then you start doing it. I know I do that where all of a sudden I'll do the craft just so it's done. Cause I'm like, no, this is not going to waste. All night cutting this out for you. Yeah, and no. laminating it. <laughs> so I think that, um, you know, following their interests. So if you hear your kid mention so you know, whatever they're, they're into, whatever book they're reading, or even movie they're watching, just try and draw from that. Because if they're already interested, it's going to help, you know, have them be interested in whatever you want them to do. And so exactly. I think if your kid is not really an art person, like don't force them to do art, find what they do like to do and do that instead. And that doesn't mean they never do art. But I think when you try and force stuff on them, it just ends up being like pushing it away more instead of like, okay, you're not a huge fan of art, so we won't do that. You want to be outside, so let's go play outside. And then maybe when we're outside, you'll see a tree that you think is really cool. So then when we come back in, hey, should we draw that tree? And so it feels less like art and more like something they're already interested in, if that makes sense. Right. 
Right. I love that. Oh, such good tips. And I was thinking of all the different activities. I know that I've seen you do over the years that it just, you know, with the sensory bins and how creative you are and how, you know, hands-on you are. And um, even like painting, you know, those like those outdoor cars that you had and then it's yes. painted and then yes. they wash it off and like so it with fun. water. That was so fun. I was actually, because I think it was from Little Blue Truck. We read Little Blue Truck and then we had, I painted just brown paint. So it looked like the dirt poops. Yeah. It looked like dirt and they, oh my gosh, they did that for so long. They love that. Yes. So, See, so it, and it, but it just goes with the book that goes back to Tyler book club. I know, but, um, but you know, it just, it goes back to that. So finding a book or a movie, or like you said, an interest of any kind, whether it's frogs or the beach or dinosaurs or whatever it is, and then finding a, d- a bunch of different projects and things that go with it. So it piques their interest. But like you said, you can write if they're old enough to write and they're trying to work on their writing and, you know, writing a journal or something or learning how to write a topic sentence, you know, they can write it about the dinosaur book they bought or they, or they got at the library that day or whatever the case is. So I and love you that. so much more buy-in when you follow those interests rather than like today we're going to write about, you know, just something random that you choose rather than picking something they're already interested in. You're going to get, you know, so much more buy-in from that. So exactly. I think following your interests as much as you can is really helpful. Exactly. And I have one last question for you, Brittany, because I know I, I, I try to do it as much as I can. I'm not the best at it, but I try to keep my kids off the screen as much as possible, whether that's a TV, whether it's an iPad or whatever the case is. I know you're really good at that. So I just didn't know if we could wrap up just by you sharing, um, you know, a few go-tos of what you do. So you, so the kids aren't on the screen. What do your kids do instead? I mean, do you have any um, specific um, toys or items or activities that, you go to, or is it mostly just arts and crafts or can you explain a little bit more? Yeah. So again, I think the big thing for that is planning because just like anything else, like if your kid is whining at you and you're trying to make dinner, like it's so much easier to just be like, here, go watch this. Because I mean, if honestly, if someone's whining at you, just want to get it done, you know? So you want to make the activities and the things for them to do as automatic as like a screen would be. So then that way, cause really it's you, you're the one who is like, okay, I just need a second. They'll actually be happy with whatever you give them. Um, but they need an option and screens are so easy because it's just like here and they know how to do it. They know exactly rather than it might take a little more work you know, from you to get them interested in something else. So planning, just having some like ideas again. So then that way, when it you're desperate for something to do, you have something else to fall back on. That's not always a screen. Um, that being said, I think playing outside is huge. Um, I think kids can resist that a lot. Even my kids, we spend a lot of time outside, but even sometimes they'll be like, oh, we don't want to go outside. It's boring outside. There's nothing to do outside. So sometimes I'll be like, okay, well, let's just go out for five minutes. And sometimes five minutes, they're still whining. They're still complaining. Um, And so sometimes I'll come up with, oh, let's do, you know, a game or it's something. Sometimes I'll be like, okay, let's go back inside then. Um, I think books, if you can get any books, this was my rule as a teacher. Like, I do not believe that there's 
such thing as a bad book. Like parents used to come up to me and be like, oh, I cannot get my kid to stop reading like Diary of a Wimpy Kid or whatever the, you know, now it's all the graphic novels. Like there is not, in my opinion, this is all, all of this is my opinion. I hope everyone <laughs> If your kid is reading anything, if it's a magazine, if it's, I don't care, like it's fostering that love of reading. Um, and so I think just having that time set aside, like every day, I still call it, I used to call it in my classroom, that dear time, you know, drop everything and read. I, yes. still, I still do that for my kids. Like no matter what you're doing, like just pick up and it can be any book. Like there's no rule. Like, oh, that's a silly book. Like every time I go to the library, my kids insist on getting like all the character ones that are just, I'm sorry, I cannot stand. They're not quality literature. Like I'm listening to them and I'm like, this is awful. Like, I just want to watch the movie. Like, why am I reading the movie when we could just be so, but I don't care. They're looking at it and that's fine with me. So um, I think just being okay with them reading whatever they want. Um, and again, I think something like an art table, if you if you can set up something like that or puzzles, uh, we do a lot of puzzles. So part of that is giving some of your house up to let kids kind of be kids. And if you're open to that, if you're open to like giving up half your dining room table, for them to work on an art project or, and my kids are notorious for starting this like amazing idea that they have. And then a week later, it's all over my house, but they're, they've moved on to something else. And that drives me crazy. But I know that that's just how their brains work. They get excited about something, they work hard on it, and then they move to something else. And so I try and let that kind of stuff go because I think that that does help with no screens of, you know, they, they've been making this dollhouse out of whatever random craft supplies that they can find. And it's driving me crazy because it's all over my house. And I keep going, are you going to work on the dollhouse? Like, let's finish the dollhouse. Cause, uh, but so anyways, I just think giving them that freedom to let them be creative, to let them make a little bit of a mess. Um, and I think there's probably going to be a little bit of pushback but if you can kind of get over that initial hump of them used to getting handed that screen, if you can kind of get over that initial pushback, I think they'll start to come up with their own ideas. Um, but again, if make sure you keep things accessible because if they can't get to anything, then they're not going to want to, you know, do an art project if they don't even know where the pain is. So exactly. I think accessible, having a plan and just letting them kind of make a mess and be creative. I love it. And I agree. And as, you know, as a play therapist, I do agree because when it comes to playing, there's so many times I hear when I do home visits and I'm at a, someone's house and I hear, oh, don't take that out because it's going to make a mess or, oh, don't play with that. You're going to get your shirt dirty or we can't paint because we can't get this dirty or whatever it is. And it hinders that, that, that natural learning environment that they need to learn so many skills. That's a whole nother podcast episode, but of, of things that they need. So whether it's, you know, like you said, art, doing art or puzzles or things like think, you know, kids are going to be messy. That's just their MO. Like that's, but that's how they're learning. That's how they, um, they're exploring, they're learning their world. They're making sense of their world and, and, and everything in between. So, um, I think there, that's, there that's phenomenal be, advice. You know, rules for that. Like even with sensory right. bins, like we don't throw stuff out of the sensory bins. Like that's a rule from the very little ones like they you know so you have to teach them and same with art supplies like yes at the art table you can paint whatever you want but we're not painting the walls you know so you can still have boundaries but I think as parents we could let go probably a little more than we usually do 
Yeah, exactly. Oh, Brittany, I told y'all she had great advice. You've completely inspired me. I feel like I want to put an art table now in my <laughs> in my kitchen and all sorts of things. I have all these ideas running in my head of what I want to do um, with my kids. So thank you so, so much for your time and your wisdom and your advice. Uh, it's just, it's amazing. I hope it's inspired other parents out there, whether they want to homeschool their kids or whether they just want some screen-free activities for their kids. Uh, I think you've given them some great ideas. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. Thank you for joining us today. I can't wait to have you back for more. Make sure to subscribe to the Parentologist podcast so you don't miss an episode and make sure to tell your friends. This podcast is not intended to be a replacement for therapy. If you or someone you know is in crisis, please call 911.